0: Welcome to the Nutrition Reviews podcast series. Nutrition Reviews is published by Oxford University Press and is an international peer-reviewed journal that publishes authoritative and critical literature reviews on current and emerging topics in nutritional science, food science, clinical nutrition, and nutrition policy. Each month, we talk with authors who have contributed to Nutrition Reviews to find out who they are, why they wrote the review, and how they think their review should be used to advance nutritional sciences. I'm Douglas Taran, the Editor-in-Chief for Nutrition Reviews. I have the pleasure today to be speaking with Dr. Christina Peterson from Texas Tech University, who is the senior author with colleagues from Pennsylvania State University as they conducted a review of human clinical trials on the effect that herbs and spices have on risk factors for cardiometabolic diseases. I enjoyed reading this paper and found it valuable because I know that at least for this paper, herbs are defined as the leaf of a plant and spices are other parts of the plant that have been dried, such as buds for cloves, bark for cinnamon, roots for ginger, berries for peppercorns, seeds for cumin, and the stigma of a flower for saffron. I do like using all these herbs and spices. And now I know more about how they benefit blood lipid levels, glycemic control, blood pressure, adiposity, inflammation, and oxidative stress. Um, and also some things about any potential uh, side effects that you may have by getting too much of them. The one thing I did learn is that there is a still a very limited number of randomized clinical trials on these spices and herbs and how they affect uh, health in the quantities that are used in cooking. But reading this paper will get your taste buds ready for a great meal. So let's start off by having Dr. Peterson tell us a little bit about herself and how she ended up at Texas Tech University.
1: Well, thank you, Dr. Taryn. It's really a great pleasure to be here today talking about our, our paper. Um, so a little bit about me, I uh, was at Pennsylvania State University as a postdoc and then um, as an assistant research professor and I transitioned to Texas Tech University in the fall of 2020 as a tenure-track assistant uh, professor. Um, but I worked with colleagues at, at Penn State to write, to write this paper on um, the effect of herbs and spices on risk factors for cardiometabolic diseases um, and specifically focusing on human clinical trials.
0: I think that's really interesting because, you no. Know... Uh, I was also impressed by the the number of trials that are out there, even though they're limited, especially since they're limited in the sense of how they're used in cooking and preparation. But it was really nice to see the transition from animal studies to human trials and knowing that people are out there trying to do, or not trying, but actually doing uh, randomized clinical trials to see the effects of these herbs and spices on health. Um, why did you decide to pick this topic? I, I know you work in call your metabolic disease in general and dietary behavior, but why did you choose herbs and spices to, to focus on?
1: Yeah, so you know we've long known that herbs and spices you know enhance the flavor of foods and increase enjoyment of foods. Um, and they may help us to eat more healthy foods, right? So if food tastes better, we're more likely to eat it. Um, But here we were specifically interested in, you know, do herbs and spices have independent effects on health outcomes? So if you just uh, eat a well-defined dose of a given herb or spice, will that improve your health? Um, And we started looking at, at the literature and we really weren't finding, you know, clear answers to those questions and especially not in the doses that we consume in a diet, right? Most of the studies are supplemental, studies so they're using a supplement which is often a very high dose uh, of herbal spice so for example for turmeric um which the active ingredient is curcumin most of the studies showing benefit it's a it's over a thousand milligrams per day of curcumin which is you can't consume that in dietary form you have to get a supplement for that Um, and so you know, we're interested in, okay, these isolated effects, but then if you're consuming very large doses of supplements, then first, what are the health effects of that? But then also, is there safety concerns around that? Would we be worried about consuming more than a thousand milligrams per day of of curcumin? Um, and so we set out to you know to summarize this literature to try and help clarify this issue because a lot of people are interested in herbs and spices you know some marketing they are promoted as superfoods and you know similar terms so i think there is a lot of interest in understanding the health effects of herbs and spices and what are the impacts when we include them in their in our diet or if we are taking supplements so we were trying to give readers uh, a concise summary of that literature Um, but also to identify some of the research gaps to try and move this field forward. So throughout the paper, we do point out areas where research is needed and and maybe what are some potential future directions to really help us understand the impacts of of herbs and spices on cardiometabolic outcomes.
0: One of the pieces in your paper that I really think summarize the the data are the tables that you produced. Uh, Those are excellent tables about the studies, what the dose was, the length of the dose, the changes in um, blood levels of um, cardiometabolic um, markers, and, and then the adverse effects. And uh, there aren't a lot, but you do identify some, especially when you have small sample sizes. They, you pop one up and it kind of thinks about it. It may be due to the high dose that they're getting also. So lots of different mechanisms um, in that each herb or spice doesn't work the same way as far as affecting Metabolism. Was there anything that surprised you or that you found just different or interesting when you went through this review?
1: Yeah, so it's interesting you bring up the tables because, you know, they were challenging to produce in the sense that there just was a lot of gaps in the reporting. So it was very hard in many of the studies to identify exactly what the dose was that they gave, what was the origin of the herbal spice. Um, Very few studies did chemical analysis, so we have no idea what the dose of the active ingredient is. There was also issues with small sample sizes, um, and then also just a lack of uh, collecting data on safety outcomes. So many studies didn't even collect the data. So for example, with turmeric, we would be worried about liver function. Most studies didn't do any assessment of if the liver was impacted by those kinds of those doses um i think the thing that really surprised me throughout all of this was just the lack of rigor in these in these studies you know a lot of the trials gave a a dose of a herbal spice Um, it wasn't always a well-defined dose or the active ingredient wasn't always defined and then they just measured a whole bunch of outcomes Um, and you brought up you know mechanisms of action i'm not always sure that that was considered necessarily in the expected effects. So I think we just need to, you know, move forward with answering questions around what are the key uh, areas we need to move forward and then design rigorous studies that are going to help us uh, to understand these health effects and, you know, whether we should be recommending supplements or dietary intake and then what is the dose, how are we consuming it,
0: all of those issues now that you've looked at all these herbs and spices and you kind have about seven or eight maybe a little bit more in this paper are you cooking differently are you uh, using more herbs are there some that you're staying away from and do you have a favorite recipe you can tell us about
1: yeah i mean we 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 eat a lot of herbs and spices but not necessarily for the health for the health effects you know we just enjoy the flavor and um you know cooking we we enjoy cooking and so. Um, you know, my favorite thing to do with spices, which is just an everyday kind of thing is just using them to flavor vegetables, you know, vegetables can be relatively bland. Um, but if you put some, you know, some spices on there, they are, you know, much more tasty. So, uh, we, yeah, we have a very expensive spice cabinet and, uh, cook a lot with herbs and
0: spices. <laughs> uh-huh. I think that's great thinking about vegetables. Uh, I think about children as they start eating more Mm -hmm. vegetables and how do you get them to enjoy them. Um, Sometimes they just like to eat them plain, but sometimes they would like something on it. And maybe then you're moving away from things like having to dip them in different types of dips and sauces, Mm -hmm. which isn't necessarily always bad for you, but doing it all the time, they change your dietary uh, intake of fatty acids or something like that. Can you um, tell me what you think you're gonna be doing next um, in this area? I know you still work on cardiometabolic disease. Um, are you planning studies with herbs or spices? Or are you going into uh, other areas of research?
1: Yeah, you know, I am planning some more research, looking at herbs and spices, but uh, looking more at how they can be a vehicle for behavior change. So it's very hard for people to make sustained changes to their diet to improve the overall quality of their diet. Um, so I, one of the hypotheses I have is that if we make healthy foods enjoyable by adding herbs and spices, that may overcome a huge barrier to healthy eating, which is you know the perceived, or maybe in some cases, the real taste inferiority of healthy foods versus less healthy foods. So if we can get people to enjoy healthy foods by seasoning them and flavoring them with herbs and spices, Maybe they'll be able to make you know, sustained changes to increase the amounts of vegetables that they're eating, for example, or increase the amounts of whole grains that they're eating, which um, will then obviously uh, affect health outcomes. So looking more at the behavioral ways that we can use herbs and spices uh, to influence health kind of in an indirect way.
0: Well, I think it's really interesting because you're not just talking about the direct effect of herbs and spices, but really the whole diet. The one thing that I think is important for people to know is that it's not hard to necessarily grow them in your own house. So you can take a small dill plant or a small um, oregano plant and easily sort of grow it on the windowsill Mm -hmm. and um, have children. See how it's grown and use them. I'm a maternal child nutritionist, so I I always kind of relate it back to how do you influence that behavior early in life, and I think that extended impact that you're talking about is very interesting and something that could be studied in addition to the direct effects of the herbs and spices on diet. And I I find that a very interesting area of research that people should pursue. is there any words of advice you'd like to give listeners about herbs and spices as a final send-off?
1: Yeah, so I think your point that you just made about you know considering herbs and spices in the whole dietary pattern, I think that's where we should be focusing our, our efforts because we don't eat one food or one thing in isolation. And I'm not sure that giving supplements is the answer either. So I think we do need to understand, you know, if we add herbs and spices to a diet, Maybe it's a healthy diet. Does that augment the health benefits? Um, so I think, you know, what I would tell readers is, you know, nutrition is complicated, and I think we're always looking for direct effects of an exposure on an outcome, but I think that rarely plays out in the real world. So we need to consider the complexity and and think more about the role of foods, or in this case, herbs and spices, in the context of the whole dietary pattern and how that influences health.
0: Well, Dr. Peterson, thank you for taking this time to speak with me today. I really uh, learned a lot by looking at the paper and reading it and and just understanding the direction that this um, paper can have on future research um, by you and by other people. I think it's an important area for um, both uh, direct nutrition physiology and and behavioral nutrition, as we just discussed. So uh, thank you very much for being here.
1: Thank you. It was a pleasure to speak with you today and And thank you for featuring our paper on on the podcast. And we hope the readers enjoy enjoy our paper.
0: Next month, I will be speaking with Rachel Green from Monash University, who with Heidi Bergmayer, Alexandra Chung, and Helen Scutellis conducted a review on how health, nutrition, and physical activity are presented in international guidelines and standards for children in care that encompasses foster care, kinship care, and residential care. This paper reviewed 52 documents from the United Kingdom, Australia, New Zealand, and in the United States about the amount and type of nutrition and physical activity in these guidelines. A few aspects of this paper that I found very important were its focus on how important it is to consider adverse childhood experiences or ACEs that occur before this care starts and how these experiences affect the dietary behavior of children and the lack of specific guidelines for these caregivers in terms of how to support healthy eating and the importance of being physically active. I also found the lack of guidance on how to support children with physical disabilities to be an important gap in these guidelines. I'm sure that our conversation will bring to light what drew these authors to writing this paper and how it will stimulate future research to improve programs for children in care. The Nutrition Reviews Podcast was produced and edited by Eric Healy at the Western Region Public Health Training Center Studio at the University of Arizona, Mel and Enid Zuckerman College of Public Health original music was created by Eli Ruiz. Funding for the podcast was provided by the International Life Sciences Institute. To get more updated information on nutrition, go to the journal's website at academic.oup.com slash nutritionreviews and subscribe to the podcast to be notified when the next episode is available. I'm Douglas Terran. Thank you for spending some time with us.